We're breaking down all the quarterbacks and wide receivers in the upcoming draft, as well as breaking some DAC news. This is the push-off. everybody. Welcome to the Push Off Podcast, your favorite weekly NFL show that discusses everything that happened last week while getting you ready for the next. I'm your host, Scott Ogan, and joining us remotely, as always, it's... Dan, manageable cap hit right. Dan, we are here to... Uh, we, we've we got a new lineup of uh, draftees to discuss uh, for mm-hmm. the 2020 draft, and we're looking at the wide receivers and the cornerbacks. It's exciting because we got a couple of wide receivers that are going to go pretty high. Uh, we did quarterbacks last week. We're really starting off the gun in these uh, draft uh, reviews. But first, we're getting sexy. These are the, these are the these are the pretty boys. These are the ones we always talk about. We're just getting them out of the way because we want to focus on D linemen. <laughs> we can't wait to get to the D lines. Right? Uh, yeah, I hope for some good D linemen to come through the come through the pipe of, uh, for me too. But let's talk about the sports first or the news first let's talk about sports news first uh and that did, did something happen scott yeah dan something did and just uh prior to us recording we got the news of dak prescott's extension for the dallas cowboys uh, <sighs> the numbers are four years 160 million dollars 126 million guaranteed yeah the numbers are staggering which we knew they would be yeah, we. I mean, listen, we were not going to get out of this thing with, like, his base cap hit with the franchise tag was going to be $37 million. That's, and that's it. And then you're going to have to franchise him and go, what, next year? Like, you're going to keep doing this? It doesn't make sense. So it's a lot of money. There's no way I'm going to tell you that $160 million is not a fuck ton of cash. Mm-hmm. But it actually will probably reduce his cap hit this year to something around $26 million. Mm, yeah. So it, fact, it will probably save us around, you know, like I said, eleven, twelve million dollars on the cap just to have Dak this year, during a bad year to really be looking to spend money on a quarterback. But such is life. At least we weren't expecting a, a thirty-four million dollar cap hit this year. Um, no, I, I, think I think this I, is actually manageable. I think I saw a tweet that they expect his cap hit this year to be like twenty-two point two million. I don't know how they'll do that. So. Yeah. Um, Basically, so to talk about some things we know, because it's still early on, we don't have the full details of the contract, sure. but there's some things we know. There's some numbers we have. We have $66 million signing bonus. Mm-hmm. Generally, a <laughs> signing bonus, well, yeah, that's, that's not this is bad. Nuts. Not bad. So yeah. $66 million signing bonus, which means Dak gets that money right now. You Someone just cut that motherfucker a check for $66 million. Mm. That's pretty good. Now, He's also getting $75 million this year. So he's going to have $75 million going to get handed to him this year, the first year of his contract, which is pretty fucking nice. Yeah. The way yeah. that's probably going to work is if you got to give the guy $75 million this year, that means you're probably just saying, hey, here's the $66 million. We're going to prorate this over the four years of your contract, which is what, like $16.5 million, somewhere around there? We're, we're doing, you know – Napkin math, but 
And then you're doing $75 million this year. So you're basically paying him $9 million in base maybe this year. And so that $9 million in base goes towards that. That's 75 grand total. So that means 16 plus nine gives you 25 to 26 million somewhere in there. So I'm thinking his cap hit is going to be around $26 million. Okay. Uh, there's a no trade clause in this. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and there is a uh, no tag tag provision. In fact, from what I'm hearing, they're supposed to be tagging him just to get that out of the way so that it cannot actually happen for him again. Yeah, it's a procedural thing. They're like, you can only tag me one more time, and it's right now. Yeah. So that, I mean, this is all very positive DAC uh, news. This makes him uh, high of the one of the top uh, quarterbacks paid here now in the, in the league. He's going to average his first three years about $42 million. Um, and it's $126 million guaranteed, which means yeah. basically his first three years are guaranteed, which is effectively – I mean, that makes sense for a quarterback. You're basically saying, hey, it's a three-year guarantee, plus we got this back-end year we can fuck around with. Right. Um, I think it's a better contract for the team than what Kirk Cousins signed. Oh, you know, really? Obviously, okay. initially and in the second place because you go, hey, we got that fourth year – the fourth year is really a fuck around year because it's going to be a ton of salary cap and there's no way he's going to, or there's going to be a ton of straight salary and there's no way he's actually going to make all that. They're going to spread that out or, you know, fucking move on. Well, and obviously getting him on this deal helps him out currently where they have a quarterback and it's not as big of a cap hit as a, as the franchise tag, like you said. And this is the year where they have to worry about that. Is uh, the front office just expecting the cap to bounce back here, given this forwarding contract? I mean, I guess it has to. Yeah, I think you have to. I think the entire NFL is basically saying, hey, this is going to be a fucky year, but, you know, things will get back to normal year after next. I mean, they went and did an entire NFL season during COVID. Yeah. You know, so they've got to feel pretty confident that no matter what happens, they're still going to have a business model. Uh, and so what are your thoughts on this? Cowboys li- line them up. They get them signed up for uh, four years. Obviously, you wanted him to come back, but this is the money. This is the contract. Yeah. I mean, I always knew this was going to be the contract. I appreciate if, if Dak has got a relatively team-friendly outlook over the next two or three years, with some, which we need some shuffleable money. Um, and I, the Joneses tend to make contracts with a lot of shuffleable money. Um, with like a poison pill at the back end of the contract. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Dak's going to be 32 when this contract is up. Very much possibility to get extended, get it pushed out. Even if Dak takes a dip and it becomes like a top 12 QB, it basically says, hey, you, we're not going to make pay you $40 million, but we will definitely pay you like $22 million, and then you can sign like a two-year extension with a ton of incentives on the back end of that. So we're paying the dude prime money, prime years of his career and i don't have a huge problem with that yeah he's not he didn't get the uh mahomes contract that wraps him up (laughs) for a decade it's it's four years and then you can go back to the bank if he's still doing that well um do you the the rumor that this the cowboys when that year they took back dak prescott they could have taken paxton lynch or even connor cook did you hear about that oh yeah that's been a known thing yeah. That they were thinking about, you know, coming here back in the first round for Paxton. Yeah. Here we are now, and and Dak gets paid, so congrats to Dak. We're very happy for you. Uh, and I, yeah, I think I, I told you recently that I went back and, and looked at, because I was feeling nostalgic about Dak, and I looked at some Dak uh, college game film, mm-hmm. and I legitimately gave him a second round grade. I was like, I was like I'm going to try to tamp my emotions down as much as I love Dak. I was like, 
was like, if I give him a first round grade, it's going to be like, ah, man, fuck you. <laughs> you know, you're, you're letting the past kind of influence your shit. But I gave him a second round grade. I thought he had accuracy issues in college, but I thought he was just, you know, a big boy, an absolute fucking train of a human being. Even back then, he was bigger in college, too. Uh, and this was you going back and watching it recently. Did you get a chance to watch him before they drafted him? Or I, I did. I, I gave him a second or third round grade, I think, when oh, back I first then, yeah. looked at him. Okay. Because, but I he wound up going in the fourth round because he had that DUI issue right beforehand. Mm. So that's the thing people forget about Dak Prescott. People go, oh, fourth round pick, fourth round pick. He had a second round grade by a lot of people. It was that DUI that really moved him down some charts. That sucks. Yeah, I hit, yeah, that's too bad when that happened. But well, it, it worked out in the long suck run. Doesn't too for, bad. Right. Yeah, worked out in the long run for Dak. Good. Congrats to him. Um, okay. Well, moving on. More news because uh, we got a big old show. JJ Watt. That was the other news that was gonna start mm-hmm. the show. But JJ Watt's going to the Arizona Cardinals. He uh, two years, thirty-one million. Broke the news himself by uh, lifting weights in a Cardinals T-shirt. <laughs> J.J. Watt is making way too much money for current J.J. Watt production. Mm. That's a go, lot of money to pay a D-end in a 5-3 yeah. or a – sorry, a 3-4 D-end hybrid who's going to play with Chandler Jones. I mean, if they set them up off the same side, that'd be interesting, but I, I imagine they're probably just going to try to squeeze them. But, I, I mean, everybody's defense is hybrid now, so who fucking knows? But I, I don't feel like Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt are the best fit together. Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt, they've got uh, Isaiah Simmons, who they drafted in the first round last year. He's hoping they can get some more pressure. Maybe you keep the yeah lineman off him and he can blitz more or something. But Cardinals are – yeah, this isn't moved the needle for me either. I'm not saying, oh, hey, Super Bowl team now, Arizona Cardinals, look out. But uh, he reunites with uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and uh, maybe they're trying to get Deshaun Watson over there. You never know. Um, <laughs> Kyler Murray's like, wait, what the fuck is happening? Uh, we both thought that they, you know, okay, well, this money is JJ Watt taking the money then. But you hear the rumor that Colts and Browns offered him more. I don't know if that's true. I, so we always hear that term like, oh, I offered you more. But what kind of more? A yeah. fully guaranteed more? A one year big bonus with a second year, you know, see how we do? You know, this is a good contract for J.J. Watt for his family. This is like – it's $30 million over two years. That's fucking – you know, that's incredible money. You can yeah. pick everybody up and go. But I I feel like Green Bay probably lowballed him a little bit. Mm. And I was like, you're a home – you know, take a home down discount. And he's like, yeah, I'm not 36. I'm 32, and I'm still J.J. Watt. I still got some name cash. And, you know, I, I think I texted you right when this happened. I was like, he's going to run for Senate in Arizona when he's done. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is the point, though, in his career where probably last chance to make some money. So he might as well. Yeah. Uh, And then we get on any of these guys for making money. Right. You know, there's never a point where like, right. How dare you make that cash? Like, no, go get your fucking bag, man. If you if you still got a couple years left in the tank, go get your fucking bag. Go get that money. Might as well. Right. Um, The Broncos are going to franchise tag Justin Simmons. That was when we were looking at. Uh few weeks back so he will get tagged uh which means yeah another year doesn't doesn't preclude him from getting traded though that's true so that's the big thing for me with justin simmons i don't feel like the broncos want justin simmons i feel like they don't want justin simmons to leave for less than a second round pick they can try that i mean uh, that would mean somebody needs a trade for a safety but you brought that up uh, last week or whenever we discuss that too where it's like safeties there's those real high ones that people will spend a lot of money to make their you know 
quarterbacks or defense type of players, and then and then there's everybody else. Yeah. And Justin Simmons is kind of on that bubble, so I could see maybe yeah. somebody fall in love with him. Um, oh, there was a trade uh, that also happened today, just kind of real quiet. The Dolphins trade for Isaiah Wilson from the Titans, the uh, f- former first round pick tackle for. Uh, God, nothing basically. He, they, mm-hmm. they, both teams traded seventh round picks, where yeah. the Titans will get an extra one this year and the Dolphins will get it back next year. Yeah, a complete washout. Yeah, complete washout. I mean, literally, the dude was a rookie last year and basically got himself in the doghouse so badly he could never recover. And <laughs> there's certain things where it's like, wow, I really screwed the pooch on this. Okay, well, are you gonna show up and work hard and then you know? Do the best you can. You're like, nah, nah. I think I'm gonna keep fucking around more. It's like, and that's oh, what, okay. Yeah, your ass out. Yeah, what? Why did this guy? How did he screw up so fast? Well, apparently a DUI. He was on the COVID list twice last year. Just apparently, yeah, wasn't wasn't uh, working out in in Tennessee. So everybody's glad he he's gone. And then we'll see if he gets another try in Miami. Where that's a big miss though for Tennessee, man. Like oh, that's. Yeah. I I'm honestly a little surprised that the. The Miami Dolphins weren't just like, no, why don't you just fucking cut him and we'll get him for peanuts? Like, they're still absorbing a pretty good chunk of that contract. I totally get, I I get why Tennessee would get rid of him for a seventh round pick. I don't understand why the Miami Dolphins were like, yeah, you know, unless they're like, hey, there's no way he's gonna play here unless we make him play here, and uh, you know we'll take a shot at the kid. But maybe, yeah. I mean, you're right. It's yeah, he has to really prove himself back up there and apparently that's been the problem is that he never did in tennessee so we'll see um and then it's i got some releasements uh these are some guys going to be hitting free agency uh in what a little over a week i think we're about 10 days away from the start of free agency now if they get released they can sign today that's true too uh, there's a difference between yeah the guys who contracts are up for free agency and the mm-hmm. ones who are just cut outright. Um, it sounds like Washington is going to be getting rid of Alex Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's a cut outright though or his will at the be, end of yeah. his I think he's going to be a June first cut if I had okay. to guess just because of the way his his contract is. Um, but he is definitely he is gone. And that's somebody that I think somebody could give a chance to still. I think Alex Smith is somebody that comes on to a team and is discussion of starter. I don't know if he gets handed it out right. I think it'd be interesting to see him in Denver with Drew Locke. You know, there it's, you go. It'd be a guy that you could say, hey, I'm coming in to compete right now. I know I'm. I know you might think you're the future, but if I take this position from you they're probably going to feel more comfortable about going back into the draft next year and investing a first-round pick. At this point, Alex Smith is no one's savior. Right. Um, but I think he he could improve the quarterback room and the quarterback starting position of many, many different teams. Chicago, Denver, um, right now, England, not San right Diego, now. but he could, you know. I mean, there, if, if I'm Alex Smith, I'm going, hey, maybe I could take a look at, yeah, to your point, New England. I could take a look at the Colts. Sign there for a relatively inexpensive amount of money because they don't have a great, you know, system. I think Jacoby Brissett's actually a free agent, if memory serves. If he um, is. So there's a couple different teams that Alex Smith could go to right now. Maybe not be the immediate starter, but be a guy in that conversation. Yeah, I think so, too. I think he'll get another shot somewhere. But the quarterback stuff is still so up in the air that we'll just have to wait and see where the dust settles. Um Vikings are releasing Kyle Rudolph. That already happened. There was a nice send-off 
this is big because Kyle Rudolph was the Walter Payton man of the year for them for so many years. He was mm-hmm. their guy. He, ten years, drafted by him, went on the team for ten years. Uh, the last three were very much like, well, why are we keeping Kyle Rudolph around? Especially after uh, the, the drafting of the uh, Alabama tackle. Yeah, Herb yeah. Smith Jr. on there. But uh, he is first in touchdowns ever for Viking tight ends. That's uh, yeah. Steve Jordan on there. and Jim Kleinsasser, those names. I was going to uh, say and, Kleinsasser be be number two. I was a little surprised. Yeah, Kleinsasser. Um, Steve Jordan had like tons in the, and then he came back after he retired or so for a bit. <laughs> uh, but the Vikings save a bit uh, over five million on that for the cap, and there's more to come. Um, they are bringing back Stephen Weatherly though. He got signed. That's, that's smart. I think that's a great. Great decision. I, I haven't seen the terms of that contract, but I like the idea of bringing Weatherly back as long as it's not super expensive. Yeah, he was only gone to Carolina for a year, and so he comes back to Minnesota. Minnesota's done this before. Tom Johnson was one they did with. Zimmer likes his players, and when he he knows that they're smart uh, guys that understand his system, he's going to, yeah, bring them back. So. And Zimmer's also like, yeah, man, go get that bag. I'll see, right. you, in a year. I'll see you in a year if you underperform. Yeah, come around back to me with you, where you're yeah, a little bit more dampened down and want to play with your friends again. Um, the Dolphins are releasing Kyle Van Noy. This is one year into his four-year $51 million contract he signed in free agency last year. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's a weird move, but the Dolphins are making a bunch of fucking weird, strange changes. You know, it's like, are you tuning yourself up to be a challenger in the AFC East, or are you going back into the draft next year for a QB? What's the plan here, Dolphins? Yeah, it's a good point. Um, this is a heavy QB draft, and they're third overall, so I don't know what they'd be waiting for. But they saved about ten million of cap space with this cut. Uh, he was getting paid quite a bit for a linebacker, but I don't know. Dolphins are, uh, yeah, clearing up some space. Maybe they make a yeah. run at Watson or something. Well, you got to understand too. If you get a guy like Kyle Van Noy, you expect him with that kind of money to be like the captain of your defense. I think you so. Know, that's that's defensive captain money. So if he was coming in going like, hey, I'm Kyle Van Noy, I'm a good player, but you're not worth that money. You know, if you've got a young rising up and comer uh, there on the defensive side that is maybe making some stick and saying, hey, I could lead this team for way less money. Um, you don't. You know, we talked about that a little bit last week with Sam Ellinger. You don't want a guy that's a rah rah guy at the bottom of the roster that's like, I can lead this team, be tamped down by like an nice. equivalent talent veteran. You know, you either you know, like a guy like J.J. Watt comes in and becomes a defensive leader right away. But a guy like Kyle Van Noy is like, I do what I'm told, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and if you want a leader, if you want if you want a Gerard Mayo type, which I'm, I'm sure they do down in Miami, there's only way to get, one way to get that is to have that guy already be on your team and, and be a vocal leader. I don't know who that is for Miami, but I guess we'll find out soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not going to be Kyle Van Noy. He's he's available though, folks. If anyone's looking for him, couple more releasements. Uh, Seahawks releasing Carlos Dunlap. That He'll seems get paid. to happen there. Yep. And uh, Raiders releasing L- Lamarcus Joyner. Yeah, that's not a terrible surprise. He's he got a lot of money after leaving uh, the Rams to go to uh, what is now the Las Vegas Raiders. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. At this point, it's like, well, why keep paying him? We can go find another cornerback. Someone um, cheaper for maybe a, a equivalent production. Yeah, might as well. 
Okay, last few things to wrap up, and then we'll jump in the wide receivers and cornerbacks for today. The strength of schedules for next year, uh, the toughest strength of schedule there is stating is going to be steel. This is based on last year's, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. schedules. Steelers at uh, about 50, yeah, 563 is there. Uh, uh, I mean, there a lot of that comes from just being in a division with you know the Browns Ravens and, and the, the Ravens. Browns and yeah they went to they were other playoff teams. Uh, the weakest Eagles at four four nine. And then we look at strength of schedule. Is it important or not? Well, last year the easiest strength of schedule the year prior was the Ravens. And the Ravens made the playoffs, but they, they ended up in the same division that got much tougher. So now these things flip around. The Bengals got better. Who's to say that the Washington football team doesn't get better? Uh, me, they just cut Alex Smith. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I mean, obviously Dallas with uh, a healthy Dak. That's big. That's big. A, a healthy Dak and our lineman back, please. Yeah. And uh, you know, a new defensive coordinator that's not a complete fucking riri. <laughs> we got some months. We got some months. Um, there is a new rule change that was suggested uh, about coaching interviews. <laughs> Yeah. They want teams to wait for the interview uh, coaching replacements until after the championship weekend and no hires until after the Super Bowl. Interestingly enough, it was the Bills that requested this one. Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. Like, they didn't lose anybody. <laughs> they know? did it this year, but it felt like they were like, ah, oh, come on. Somebody want to hire these guys? <laughs> well, I, it's funny because, like, they're, you know, Brian Dable was like, uh, I think I'm going to be a head coach candidate. And they're like, nah, no, you just have Josh Allen and you go throw that bitch as far as you can. <laughs> Uh, it's not really masterful coordinating, buddy. Um, you know, you added Stefan Diggs, like you, your GM is doing a great job, but I don't know how much of that is on you. I, I think it's interesting. Like I'm always down for a little bit of change, but coaches are just one of those things that they're the only, they're the only players or they're the only people in all of sports that are like, yeah, I'm moving on to the next thing, and uh, I'm doing this job while that's happening. You know, like right. it's the equivalent of being like a U.S. senator running for president. You and know, you're like, yeah, you're right. I, I was gonna say, I think if you've had a coach in that situation where they're getting tapped to be a head coach, and you're in the middle of a playoff run, and you're like, they're going where to interview on what day? Like, it doesn't seem right. So. There's plenty of, I mean, there isn't plenty of off season. That's true. There, this thing turns around very fast, and teams that don't have head coaches looking for the future are probably a step or two behind. I would yeah. assume. And a, and a week's a big difference, you know. If if Brian Dable's filling out that, you know, coaching interview and not in yeah. wild card week, or if he's in the wherever the fuck he's actually doing it, you go, all right. Well, if you're out this week, you can start on Monday. And if you go two more weeks, we'll wait two more weeks. But every one of those is going to be, you know, trying to get your coordinators in place, trying to right. get your staff in place. It, it all takes time. You don't want to be the first. You don't want to be the last coach to get the job because you're like, all right, what assistants are available? And it's like not great ones, probably. Yeah, it's a tough. Yeah, it depends on where your team is, what they're playing for at the, the moment as to what side you land on on that. Uh, and um, if I'm. Line it up for the a divisional round or championship game. No, I don't want my coordinator flying across the country for an interview. But dang, I just want to win the game. Yeah. Um. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see what happens with that uh, uh, change proposal. That would be. I guess they could squeeze it in for this this year if they decided to. I don't think it'd be a devastating change for anybody. It's just like okay, fine. If that's yeah. so important to you. Fuck it. Give it a try. 
stuff gets delayed. Um, all right, and then uh, Maya Chaka is going to become the NFL's first female black referee. So there we are. We're, we're breaking boundaries some more, NFL. Congratulations. We've, we've come a long way in like three years of having, true. you know, zero women in the NFL at all. Right. You know, and now we've got some assistant coaches. I'm I'm interested to see when the first, you know, coach of significance, not saying like strength and conditioning isn't, you know, significant, like you need them, but, you know, offensive coordinator, defense coordinator, special teams, like when is that going to be a woman? Yeah, so that would be, yeah, really neat. Next to five years, maybe? We'll see. Well, why not? Uh, why don't we take a break? And when we return, we are discussing the wide receivers, the cornerbacks, who's lining up on the outside or in the slot for the 2021 draft. If you want a playmaker, you're going to want to stay tuned. We'll be right back. If you're going to keep listening to the Push Off podcast in the future weeks, you're going to get your fill of the 2021 draft prospects. We're going week to week, position to the position, and giving you the looks at all of the top middle round guys, and maybe even guys that don't even get drafted. Dan, next week, what are our positions? We've got tight ends and safeties. That's right, those hybrid athletes. Are they too fast to play linebacker? Are they too slow to play corner? Is it a big-bodied wide receiver, or is it an undersized offensive lineman? Who fucking knows? We're going to find all these hybrid players on the defensive and offensive side of the ball, tell you where they should go, how they're going to impact the team, and maybe, just maybe, we might have another elite on our hands. Oh, oh I think you think Kyle Pitts of Florida. <gasps> maybe. Oh, chat, t- tune in. Tune in next week. We will discuss if this is the push-off. Thanks, loyal listeners. Okay, we're back from the break, and it's a very special time here. We're going to be discussing some playmakers, wide receivers, cornerbacks. First of all, Dan, which position group we want to start with? I want to get my elite <gasps> out of the oh, way. Oh, we got some elites. All right. So we Ghost. got a, two elites, and what position group are they in? They are wide receivers. I expected they're wide receivers. All right, cool. We got two elite wide receivers. I think I know who they are too, but I want to discuss yes. them. Uh, let's start with the first of your elites. So uh, my number one elite is Jamar Chase. All right. Jamar Chase, Chase now, LSU. I, I say number one elite, but I don't mean that in like a number one with a bullet. Uh, that's okay. not the case. I was really expecting this to be uh, further apart. Um, I had seen a decent amount of Jamar Chase film. Obviously, Jamar Chase didn't play at all this year. Um, and so that's a thing that I was like, ah, eh, maybe that's a little knock for Jamar Chase and that he's taking a year off. He's going to be rusty. You know, the last time you saw the guy, he was playing with Joe Burrow, mm-hmm. who is an elite in his own right. And then I watched some Jamar Chase film and holy shit, that dude's get off is unreal. Ah. Um, very difficult to jam. High points the ball excellently. A fucking phenomenal route runner. There were just some, there were some plays where you go, it doesn't matter who's against him. That guy is like giving him cushion. Can't give him enough cushion. Then uh, you'll see Jamar Chase just eat that cushion up completely. Run a quick post or pivot, and you go, oh, Jesus, how do you stop this fucking guy when he's on? Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be interested to see a guy like Jamar Chase go with, you know. 
we love Joe Burrow. He's elite, but I would love to see a guy like Jamar Chase go with someone with like a fucking cannon for an arm that could really unleash that top end speed that he's got. Because I don't think he was running as fast as he can. You know, you're watching all this all this film and you go, I feel like the dude's got another gear because he would find it if he was facing a, a fast corner. Like, um, you know, he went against Trevon Diggs last year in Alabama. And I, Diggs is a fucking physical corner. He's a big dude and he's and he's pretty quick. And he was smoking him. You yeah. know, he was smoking him in a couple different encounters. And I was just like, whew. Um, now, Jamar Chase is really a, a kind of a one-year wonder, um, if we're being honest. I mean, he had a, a middling freshman season, and then Joe Burrow came on, and he was like, hey, you, go fucking just mm-hmm. make everything make everything happen for me. So he's a good body. You know, he's about six foot. They have him listed at six foot one. I think he's probably just a straight six foot, but he's built well, like for yeah. a wide receiver. You know, I was expecting a, a smaller-bodied guy – um, our next elite, which, you know, we know who that's going to be, is, is a, a, a frailer frame. Mm-hmm. Um, but this Chase character looks like he's probably going to hold up well at the next level. A lot of position flexibility. You can put him in the slot, he's dangerous. You can put him on the outside, he's dangerous. He's going to handle himself physically against bigger corners. He's going to handle himself with speed against smaller corners. I can't ask for a lot more. I mean, he's got excellent hands. They're fu- the things are fucking glue. Good leaping ability. Not the top leaper in our draft. But uh, yeah, once again, just great round running all together. Just a really solid, complete wide receiver prospect. We talk about the elites, what the elite means to us. And it means it doesn't matter where you go. You're going to be productive. It doesn't matter the system. You're going to be productive. And that's Jamar Chase. He's he's you're looking at him as being a top five, maybe outside a top five pick in this draft, depending on how early people go for quarterbacks. Um, Jacksonville Jets, Miami at three, Atlanta at four. Cincy's there at five. I mean, ugh, it could happen. Um, Cincy would be interesting. You're right, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't need to, or so we believe here. And you're right. I think that's the only knock on Jamar Chase's since he opted out of 2020. We didn't really get a chance to see him with a much less stacked roster. There's no Justin Jefferson on the opposite side taking attention away. Who we know is pretty good. Right, Who's, who turned out pretty good too. Um, they, they could say that he had drops by just not concentrating, but that kind of kind of means, well, yeah, he thought he didn't look it into his hands and turn up the field, but I never saw it. So I just read that on that stuff. Um, I like how you said we're, we're comparing him with the next guy and we'll talk about the next guy in a second, but 25 pounds difference, I think is what they're guessing at here. So that's, and it looks it too. Yeah. That's the size. Long reach, powerful runner with the ball in his hands. He can run away from that pursuit, and it's the, he breaks tackles with that balance on his feet. Um, doesn't go down easily, and just the catch range and change of momentum, uh, change of direction and stuff is what yeah. was most impressive with him for me. The, yeah, just a pure athlete. Body control was really phenomenal on a couple yeah. sideline routes. You're just like, oof. He, he's got that next level body control already. Yeah, if you can jump up, leave your feet, and you're changing direction in midair to get to that ball, it doesn't need to be that accurate. He's going to bring it in. That's <laughs> true. Um, tried to do comparisons again with these guys. It's very tough to do, but the NFL comparison for him was like a Devontae Adams. Yeah, Devontae Adams is a lot bigger, but I, I think the route running's probably there. The physicality's probably there, but and yeah, just I, the, think, I think that's pretty good. The ability to line up wherever, if you needed him to play in the slot for something, he could do that. Mm-hmm. There's not like a, oh, he's only this or he's only a that type of receiver. He can go wherever he pleases. Um, 
the only thing I wrote down, and I tried to see it some in the year he played, is he big enough to be like a red zone threat for the NFL? I think he's a guy that size might get a little lost down there. Um, Julio Jones is six foot three. Guy can't catch a fucking cold in the red zone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it it really depends on how you decide to make him open. That's that's the unfortunate thing. He's got the hands, he's got the body positioning, he's got the body control that. If you get him a couple decent routes, a couple short screens, a couple short slants, um, you know, fucking wheel pattern up on the sideline. I mean, he's definitely a guy that you can move to different parts of the field to get him in decent mismatches in the red zone to make him effective. Ah, cool. but yeah, is, if, if you're asking me, is he the type of guy that I can go, say go stand in the corner of the end zone and I'm going to see if I can get this, you know, to the to the fucking crossbar? No, I don't think so. He's got great leaping ability. Yeah, but I don't think that's the I, you know once again he's not the best leaper in the class, but uh, I, yeah I think he's he's not quite that tall but he's still a weapon you know these guys are just weapons. All right, well yep yeah, we'll see does he yeah does he get by Philly at six or even Detroit at seven probably not they need definitely need wide receivers too so if they're still picking there I think yeah Jamar Chase is going to go quite early uh, in that Thursday <laughs> night. Um, okay, well, he's not your only uh, elite. We've got another one to discuss. Devonta Smith. Mm-hmm. I was surprised that I made him elite. Okay. I was. Because I had watched a little bit of, you know, I was like, yeah, it's a Heisman Trophy winner. Yep. <laughs> My apologies. You. Um, it's a Heisman, Heisman Trophy winning wide receiver. That doesn't happen in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, really, the last time it happened was, I guess, Charles Woodson, sort of. You know, but that was more for a, a, a DB. Yeah. Um, normally, if your wide receiver is doing that well, you go, hey, it's probably the quarterback doing it. But you would watch this game. I There's a part of me that wants to say Devontae Smith is actually a safer bet than Jamar Chase. Mm, okay. Two things go to this. Number one, steadily improved over four years. And that's not to say that this guy took like a fucking huge leap this year. He did. Obviously, he went to Heisman caliber wide receiver, but he had over 1,200 yards receiving last year. He had over 1,400, uh, sorry, over 14 touchdowns in his junior year and was a guy that was not supposed to be the A number one guy down yeah. in Alabama. But he did it. He just kept progressing, kept doing it. His route running improved. He reminded me so much of Amari Cooper. And not Amari Cooper, not pro Amari Cooper, but like coming out of college Amari Cooper. Because um, people forget how clean of a prospect that fucking guy was coming out. Or he could catch anything, his routes were crisp. Um, he doesn't have the same body that Cooper does. Um, Cooper right. was a bigger guy. Um, but he's in that same Alabama class. Like his body reminds me of Calvin Ridley. That was the other Alabama. Yep, that's the other Alabama we see. But a slim body kind of Calvin, Calvin. Still Calvin small, Ridley. I think, Calvin Ridley. <laughs> he is. I mean, he's a fucking thin dude. He's 175 pounds. He's six foot one. But I will tell you, this dude is like, I I know I'm saying unholy things right now. <laughs> there's some there's some Randy Moss ups in this kid. Yeah. You know. No, you're right. That was the thing too. Is I was like watching him. I'm like, he's very slender. He's not going to run over any cornerbacks. Oh shoot! Would some, can some big cornerback body him up and just take him out of the play? But not really. He does, he's a fighter. Yeah, he's, he's a hundred and seventy-five wiry. Yeah. Uh, pounds. That dude is is coiled steel. I mean, Snatches Mac Jones. Mac Jones was making some some throws. I mean, 
all credit to Mac Jones. We, you know, we scouted him last week and we're like, hey, I like this dude is, you know, making his, putting his ball in a place only his receiver could get it. But he's gifted in that he was putting that ball near Devontae Smith, who was like, right. I got this Eating was it, four up, yeah. feet above my head. That's fine. Great numbers in college, which obviously Alabama, you're going to put them up, but still somebody has to. And he was the one. Um, he's also, uh, I thought, faster than Chase uh, at the top yeah. speed. In fact, I, I think the next guy we talk about might even be faster at that, that top speed. But he's very fast and also – if you want to – it's hard not to – you're right. Compare him with Jamar Chase, especially now that you're giving them both elites. That uh, Jamar Chase, I didn't see the type of blocking that I'm seeing out of Devonta Smith in like running plays or uh, if a different wide receiver gets the ball. Devonta Smith is looking for somebody to take on. He's looking oh, for yeah. the next guy to push out of the way. Uh, Jamar Chase, not so much. Jamar Chase was no. like, eh, uh, I'll just kind of run along. No, Jamar Chase would – would block on play side blocks. Yes. So I will I will give him that. He was he's not yeah, a guy I'm that's like he wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. I'm being nitpicky. No. Very good. Yeah. There are wide receivers that are like I'm sorry block. Mm-hmm. Um go fuck yourself. I mean I'm sorry I play <laughs> wide receiver motherfucker. And for so for Jamar Chase he's like a block not on the play side. No I'm not interested in that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, block to the play side. Yeah I'll definitely help out my fellow you know, fellow dude. But if a, if a ball would bust loose on his side, like if, if they said, Hey, you need to block in this play, he'd block in the play. But if like the what, running back bounced to the outside, you right. see Jamar Chase be like, good luck. Um, whereas with Devonte Smith, he's like, he's like, I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to hurt your family. And then he's dealing with these like 240 pound dudes that are like, get the fuck off. What are you doing? I'm a linebacker. <laughs> Why are you trying to block me, Devonte Smith? But he would do it. And I love that. Like, I, there was nothing about Devontae Smith that I don't love except for the fact that he's like 175 pounds soaking wet. That's the only right. thing I don't like. The speed is phenomenal. The durability is phenomenal. He improved every year. Tenacious, like hardworking dude, great productivity, great production. The measurables there, everything you want from this dude except for like give me 15 more pounds, son. <laughs> like that's, that's all I need. Get some fucking burgers in you. And he won that too, and I think the – He's over six foot, so that doesn't ding him as much. But I'm like, ah, you don't want to see. I remember Tavon Austin. I remember Peter Warwick and those guys. Whereas, like, that's an older one. But they were awesome in college. And then they get up against guys. They're like, I'm just going to push you, and you're not going to get in your route. And then they're like, shoot, he's got me there. But I'd like to think Devontae Smith. Yeah, I like to think he could fight through that though. I think I would. I I'm with you where I have him. Yeah, he's that high up that I think he can uh, can fight some people. Now maybe he's more of a slot wide receiver straight up than chases. But he, again, he, I'd be okay with him running on the outside, whatever it takes to get the playmaker on the field. Yeah. Do you see Chase obviously as the number one then? Um, no, I, I don't. I don't see him as the obvious number one. I see him as a a guy that you have to be very sure of on your scouting um, in terms of like, hey, this is a guy that took a year off from football. And I know that you had an excuse to take a year off from football this year, but we're seeing this as like a rising trend. It's like, hey, you're a top five prospect. Go, well, then why the fuck am I playing? You yeah. Yeah. And the last guy that did that with a great pronunciation was Jadavian Clowney, who never really, mm-hmm. you know, 
there's the old expression when someone shows you who they are, believe them. <laughs> yeah, you use that one here. Yeah, I, I like that expression because you go, okay, is Jamar Chase that guy? Is Jamar Chase the guy that's like, hey man, I'm I'm here to make money, I'm I'm here to make plays, um, but I don't block if you don't ask me to block. You know, that's so I have some. I don't want to say character concerns because that's the wrong way to put it, but I have some concerns in terms of like football love. A good scout, the big yeah, difference. would study that out and would go, would uh, ask those questions. So front office guy doing his due diligence would have to be like, I just, I'm just making sure you yeah. love the game, right? <laughs> <laughs> Was your mother a prostitute? Get out of here, Jeff Ireland. <laughs> yeah, my God. All right, um, let's move on then to the other Alabama wide receiver. I'm assuming you're going to Jalen Waddle next. Waddle. Yeah, Jalen Waddle. Uh, obviously, Tom Waddle's adopted son. Um, <laughs> we, <laughs> good old Waddle and Sylvie. That's right. Uh, Jalen Waddle is a burner. Um, yes. We had a very similar, like, what the fuck is Alabama doing where they're just like, hey, man, uh, why don't we just get the two best wide receivers in every class? Like, we'll have yeah, two Judy, top yeah. 20 we need rugs last year, and they get they they leave. So here's the next next man up. So I would with. say that Judy and Rugs is not as good as Smith and Waddle. I you know, and it's tough to say that without seeing how they do in the next level. But I would agree with you right now. Yes, from what I've I seen think, from team. Yeah, I think Waddle has more versatility. One of the things we did not like about Rugs, or I didn't like about Rugs last year, is I didn't like his footwork. Um, I, you know, he was a guy that always liked to just leap and grab the ball versus, you know, catch that shit in stride. He didn't feel like he trusted his feet. Waddle definitely does. Waddle is an excellent athlete where Ruggs was fucking fast. Yeah. But Waddle is a guy that can return kicks for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Waddle is a guy that immediately helps you in multiple levels of the game. Kick return, punt return. He can be a slot wide receiver for you. I don't love him on the outside, but he does have a real Steve Smith build, um, and quality to him. That's that's what I like. I don't think he's got the nasty that Steve, Steve Smith does because if you have that level of nasty, now you're in prison. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't think we're going to get a lot of Steve Smith nastiness coming out of this. I guess that's a good thing, years. man. Yeah. No, it's definitely good. Um, but Jalen Waddle is a guy that's going to give you good productivity. I, his hands are a little questionable, but that happens sometimes with small speedsters where they just go like, you know, to that point you go, oh, is the concentration dropped? Did I just want to fucking get the ball in my hands and get going? But I wouldn't see Waddle catch a bunch of contested balls. Whereas if you threw that shit into Devontae Smith, there was one play. Who was it against? It was against Florida. Devontae Smith. This wound up being a drop. I'm going back to Devontae Smith. I'm sorry. Because this this dawned back in my head. Devontae Smith. Mac Jones throws a ball into the end zone. Devontae Smith is double fucking covered. Hard. Like dude on his right shoulder, dude on his left shoulder. And Devontae Smith high points the ball. And has it in his fucking hands, and the defender knocks that shit out. And you see Devontae Smith like trying to grab that shit back in. That ball should never have been thrown, and he never should have had an actual chance to catch the motherfucker. <laughs> Jalen Waddle would be like, "Yep, that's over my head. I'll try to knock it down." You know, he's not going to be fighting for that ball. He knows he doesn't have those next level hands. He's still a first round pick. You know, um, I think I don't think he's a top twenty wide receiver. Um, in my mind, I, I just don't think that he is, but he's definitely a first-round pick. He's a first-round talent. He's got that speed. I mean, we saw last year, you don't let speed like that keep slipping. Right. You know, it has to go in the first round. It's just too fucking fast to not go in the first round. Yeah, and 
I mean, I think what we're seeing here is probably the third wide receiver off the board after the first two we talked about. Uh, I Yeah, he's not going to break a lot of tackles or run over anybody. Uh, I, that His size might be an issue even, too. He's under six foot in the next level, but yeah. he runs away from everybody. His acceleration and top speed is probably higher, better than Chase and uh, yeah. Smith. They're all very fast guys, though, so it's kind of being nitpicky even to say that. But uh, good hands and a yak monster. He looks for the blocks <laughs> yeah. after he catches them, and he's just going. So you're right, where he's not going to catch like the high pass, if you get it in his hands, all right, great guy for screens, all that good stuff for your team. I mean, that's where it is. Uh, broken ankle last year. It's coming off that. Um, but, I mean, he got back. Okay. Oh, uh, do we worry a little bit that uh, Devonta was probably getting the one-on-ones and the better cornerbacks, and that maybe made Waddle a little bit higher up? Um, I, I mean, if you come into the NFL and you expect Jalen Waddle to be your number one wide receiver, I think yeah. you've got problems on your hands. Okay. Um, so I don't think that's as much of a knock because if you thought that he was a number one guy, yes, I I can see that being problematic. But you're bringing him in to be the number two, the slot wide receiver, a guy that gets in space. So, you know, you don't want an outside corner on Jalen Waddle all game. You know, he's not Tyreek Hill. That's not what we're dealing Should with. Should you be spending a first-round draft pick then on a guy who's not going to be your number one wide receiver ever? Yeah. No, I mean, we don't I, say I ever. Spend, yeah, I would spend a first-round draft pick on a number two corner. You know, yeah. if if I, my number one is fucking lights out, I got a chance to, to have a number two, to have another option. I mean, listen, the Cowboys did not fuck up by drafting C.D. Lamb, did they? Well, we'll find out. Oh, we gotta, yeah. Now they got to pay Dak, they got to pay Zeke, <laughs> yeah, they got C.D. Lamb contract coming up. <laughs> but think about it this way. You had, was Justin Jefferson your number one wide receiver last year? He wasn't, but I have a feeling he will be. You know, you get sure. that feeling like yeah, that's what he's going to go into. And maybe that's the thing. Maybe Waddle, instead of saying he's not a number one, he won't be a number one for a bit. Yeah. Uh the NFL comparison I found for him is T.Y. Hilton, and T.Y. is a shorter guy, and yeah. he has become a number one for the Colts, but out of college, I don't know if that was expected. T.Y.'s hands are better, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think Waddle is a lot faster, and I think T.Y. was a better route runner coming out of college and definitely is a better route runner now, but I, I like that. I like Steve Smith. For me, it's, he very much looked like Steve Smith, like a happy Steve Smith, which, yeah. <laughs> which is good. All right, uh, let's move on to the next wide receiver. Who we got? Um, I had to give you a, a guy from Minnesota. We didn't, you know, this is our first Minnesota guy. That's right, the Golden uh, Golfer. Yeah, Rashad Bateman. Good old Rashad Bateman. Um, yeah, Bateman is a guy with actually like phenomenal size. Like if you're looking for size at a wide receiver, he's 6'2", 210, very well put together. Not a burner, not like a fucking elite dude. Um but he's ready to be a wide receiver at the next level. That's the nice thing about it. Good route running, good technique. The hands aren't absurd. Uh, they're good hands. He's a good technical route runner, good technical receiver. Has all, the level of athletic ability to play at the next level, but I don't think we're talking about a first round or even a second round pick here. You know, mm-hmm. we're talking about a guy that you can pick up somewhere in the third round to be a complimentary number two, number three receiver, but a guy that you can put on the outside and feel pretty confident with against physical corners, feel pretty confident that he's going to be able to use his size well against smaller, faster guys. 
to kind of body them out. So that's what I, I want from a bigger wide receiver. If you're not going to be I didn't watch Rashad Bateman just go like, oh, I'm going to use my size and athleticism against anybody. I was seeing him use technique, yeah. which gives me a great deal of comfort with him at the next level. You know, you have there's big body wide receivers that you go, oh, you're just a freak. You know, that's you didn't have to learn any technique. You're just like, I'm six foot four. Laquan Treadwell is a good example mm-hmm. where you go like, hey, I'm just six foot four. I'm just out here and no one can guard me. Uh, Rashad Bateman was like, no, it's difficult to guard me. But the reason is because my technique's so good. Right. I think. They said in, in NFL comparisons, Michael Thomas, that's probably high end. Oh, yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, Keenan Allen, somebody like that where they're very good sure. in space, even though they're a big guy with good hands and good reach and stuff like that. Um, yeah, Bateman, I, I agree. I don't think he's going to go right away. What's big on him, he's been a top wide receiver in the Big Ten for probably the last two years. He's a guy mm-hmm. that they've been talking about for a while, so it's not a one-year explosiveness that we saw out of him. Uh, and he's not too explosive out of like routes or anything like that. You're right. He's more of a guy who's just playing very good in a lot of different areas. And because of his body and because of his size, he's going to help you in blocking. He's going to fight for the ball in traffic and, yeah, make some, uh, make some moves. So since we hit Bateman, who is probably a mid-round guy, maybe after first round, do you think we only have these three wide receivers in the first round? Is there other guys that maybe still go in the first? I think there's I a couple borderline. Yeah. yeah, I think there's a couple borderline first guys. Um, the only guy I, could, I, I love Kadarius Tony. Okay. Um, but he's another smaller guy. I think if you're if you're trying to make a decision between Waddle and Kadarius Tony, I think Tony is probably a better route runner. Okay. Not necessarily as fast as Waddle, but he's a better route runner, better technical prospect, probably a guy you can feel safer drafting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that moves him probably into the first round. Once again, this is a, a place where you go, hey, these are the guys that are going to get taken because you maybe already have a wide receiver on the roster that you like. You know, you're okay. going to have an outside guy, so there's going to be another complimentary smaller guy on the side. Uh, and uh, Terrace Marshall Jr. at mm-hmm. LSU. This is a big wide receiver. Is a big, big boy. Um, I I thought his production was pretty good. This is a guy that I think if Jamar Chase had played right, this year. Right, we wouldn't be talking about him as much. I think we'd be talking about him more. Um, oh. I, th- I think he would have had the opposite of like a Justin Jefferson thing where Chase would have just pulled so much attention from him that we'd be like, who the fuck is this kid? How is he, you know, how is he getting open so much? But um, he, he had a mildly productive year, but he was the only target at LSU. You know, there was there were no other a lot of other options at LSU this year, so he kind of got uh, manhandled a bit. I mean, he's got good size, but he's really tall and really lean, um, but good speed for a guy his size. So I can I can see somebody maybe taking a, a grabber at him late in the first round or a second round pick potentially. Okay, we'll see how those yeah wide receivers go. We do we do have one more that we looked at to discuss, and who is that? It is Amon Ra Saint Brown. That's right. Uh, as we're about to, when we hit cornerbacks, really get into this. This is the younger brother of Packers uh, wide receiver, Equinemius St. Brown. Yeah. Equinemius and Amon Ra. And what they have another brother. Parents. Uh, <laughs> oh, do they? Well, yeah, they have another brother. Uh, well, I gotta, I gotta look up his name because it's actually fucking. This is gonna ridiculous. be a joke or something. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm dead serious. So there's Equinemius St. Brown. Uh, there's Amon Ra St. Brown, and then where is his? Uh, let's see. His father's name is John Brown, <laughs> and uh, his brother 
is Her named brother. Osiris. Ah. So there's like Equinemius. the most normalist. Yeah, it really is, yeah. But it's Equinemius, Amon-Ra, and Osiris. So That's Amon-Ra and Osiris, obviously, you know, Egyptian guys. Osiris a wide receiver, too? Osiris is also a wide receiver. Ah. So but this guy's out of USC, 6-1-194. Yeah. What do you think? This is, a, this is another guy that I think Amon-Ra St. Brown really could have helped himself by coming back for senior year. Mm. Um, this is a guy that I would have loved to have seen more tape on. Um, but I can't fault a guy for being like, nah, man, I got to get to the NFL. Like, I don't want to do this shit again. I don't want to potentially have another canceled season. I want to get on a contract. I want to do this thing. Y'all know my brother's decent. He's not like fucking great, but I think he's going to go about where his brother went. I think we're talking about like a fifth round pick. Late round. Yeah. Yeah. Fifth round pick for Amon Ra. But, uh, you know, once again, who's not going to want a fucking Amon Ra jersey? And if this kid winds up putting it together, his name is fucking Amon Ra. <laughs> but on the back it says St. Brown. No, um yeah. I'd I change think, that. I'd be like, no, put the whole thing on there. <laughs> he can line up anywhere too. Good athleticism, good route running, smooth uh runner. He's just not very fast. He's not explosive. No. He's, His brother's faster than him. Right. He's also kind of slender. He's under two hundred pounds. Uh not a force when blocking and you know, he'll drop stuff too. So yeah, he's just like, okay, I was trying to think of a player that he reminded me of. I didn't have an NFL comparison I found on here, and I came up with Jermaine Curse. Huh. I don't know, like, he, he was making a lot of big catches and stuff. He'd go up for the ball okay, but he's not outrunning anybody. I, I actually had him closer to a – I think Michael Gallup is better than he is. Okay. But he reminded me a lot of Michael Gallup in terms of good body control – decent like midline speed but you know got some playmaking abilities i don't think he was nearly one he wasn't nearly as productive as michael gallup was coming out of colorado you know gallup had production upon production and you know beat everybody that was he was set against but i feel like amon ra needed another year to kind of work on technique you know usc didn't have a full season anyway um just with all the covid shit going on i i think it would have behooved him to to come back and try it again um, I think he'd probably be able to work himself up into the second or third round. But, you know, if he winds up going fifth round with what he's got and doesn't have to spend another year in college where he potentially gets injured, I understand it. Right. Yeah. We don't know yet. I mean, I assume college football, if they played it all last year, they're coming back and they'll have a full yeah. season. The ones who didn't play those those teams, that's the decision stuff. But they probably saw a lot of money they missed. So, yeah, I, I assume that it'll be – a better situation for these college players. But, yeah, you can't fault them for being like, uh, might as well go for it now. I'll take the money, thanks. Yeah. All right, those are our wide receivers. That's the wide receiver group that we had to look at for this 2021 draft. A lot of good ones. Two elites. Who mm-hmm. boy. Uh, we're into cornerbacks now for the end part of the show. Do we have any elites left, Dan? We do not. <laughs> no, we don't, unfortunately. But we do have a lot of children a lot of old players children and younger brothers i think even well anyways let's get them started who's the first one we're beginning with uh so the first one we're talking about is patrick sertan the second the second junior yeah uh, whichever one you go by but yeah he's patrick sertan's son yeah and now patrick sertan was a big bodied corner if you remember you remember what team he played for mostly Patrick Sertain Sr., jeez, um, yeah. B- 
Patriots? Giardi was career on the Dolphins. So you okay. were in the AFC. Okay, so yes. You were right. close. But um, Patrick Satan, a big, big-bodied corner when he was coming up. I think his son is better than him. Um, oh, I don't I don't think he's got that next level speed, but in terms of a guy that's a very safe corner, he's six foot two, he's about 190 pounds. Uh, but it's it's not a bad body, you know. It's not a <laughs> we're not talking about a, uh, a fucking uh, Devontae Smith body. You know, we're talking about a guy that's got some meat, he's got some muscle on him, very technically proficient. I feel like all Alabama uh, corners come out. And just like Alabama is just the fucking number one school for prospects. Like we watch mm-hmm. these guys and you go, I don't have a ton of issues with this technique. I don't have a ton of, ton of issues with this, uh, right. with his body. Um, I just don't think he's got that top end speed. Um, but once again, he's got, he's six foot two as a corner that can play in tight man, but I think he will probably thrive in a sort of uh, off man zone coverage. I think that's going to be where he really, really thrives. I've um, got a great, Instinct for the ball, great mind for the ball, really understands defense. Um, that's something you really like to see from a corner is a guy that, you know, it's really hard to play corner at the next level because all the wide receivers are fucking amazing and they all know their routes better than you know their routes. And, you know, if you get caught watching their hips, you're fucked. you got to know your defense. And I, I feel like that's going to be a thing Patrick Sertan excels at is learning his own defense and flourishing inside of it at the next level. I think with these cornerbacks and the ones you picked for me to watch, and this is like my third year doing these tapes, so I should – it's not – it can't be an excuse, but there's a few of these guys at the top of the list where it's like they barely got a pass thrown their direction. They took half the field away, so it's hard to, to watch them defend a pass. And then there's guys at the end of this list where I could finally hardly find any tape on them. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean on you for these cornerbacks, but yeah, sure. Patrick Sertain obviously – Big guy, six two two oh two is is better measurements than most of the wide receivers outside of Bateman that we talked about. Yeah. NFL has changed where just athletic, you don't need to be a tall wide receiver and a short cornerback that can't catch. Doesn't matter. You what position do you play? If you're an athletic, you're gonna get in there. Um yeah, tall, long arms, but I liked how he got low when he did wrap up tackles. He's not a guy that's tackling around the shoulders too much. Um, comfortable playing with this big cushion, even though he's a big guy that looks like he can be physical because he just f- closes it in a blink. And um, the the questiony stuff is like, yeah, he can get handsy. He throws his arms up on guys quickly. But I think a lot of cornerbacks coming out of college do that, and then they get it talked down. And it's like, you're fast enough. You don't need to put your hands on him until you have to put your hands on him. Um, and then maybe he has problems with like the – shiftier speedier wide receivers the ones who are quicker than fast in their position but he's got such good closing speed that it probably won't be too big of an issue yeah Uh, i think he's his acceleration is excellent his -hmm. acceleration and anticipation are elite yeah but he doesn't have that top end speed he doesn't stay with you in terms of a mirroring like we talk about guys who've given elites out to before at the position and Denzel Ward is a great example of a guy that was like, he is your fucking shadow. Mm-hmm. You know, Patrick Sertan is not your shadow. Patrick Sertan is in the area. You know, he's always around. If, if you get a catch on Patrick Sertan, don't expect to break it for a lot of yak. Right. Because you might've gotten the ball cause you, you hit him with a, a quick juke or a spike, but he's on you already because you can't trick him. And I think that's a big thing for young corners is like 
it's very difficult to trick Patrick Sertan Jr. Mm-hmm. the second, whichever way that goes. And that's sometimes that's enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think he's a first round guy. It's just a question whether he's the first or the second cornerback off the, the, the list here, because honestly, the next guy we're going to talk about is right there with him. It's pick your poison. Uh, you're going to get a solid cornerback probably with either of these two guys. Who's the next? So the next guy is uh, Caleb Farley out of uh, Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. I would say this. Farley, just for me, taking a look at him, you know, underwear Olympics, Caleb Farley is going to be looking a lot better than Patrick Chetan. He is compact. He's probably a better athlete. He's got better hips. Um, he's a guy that can stay with smaller corners. The other problem with him is that this is another guy that took the entire junior season off because yep. he's like, yeah, I, th- I think I'm pretty good. I, I think I'm all set. I'll be a first-round pick. Opted out of 2020, only two years in college tape because he tore his ACL in 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so he had some issues there. Uh, I liked – so the one thing I, I watched him in the stuff is he was he really smart in his coverage. He always was using the sidelines. He had this trick where – he just would give the receivers the sideline, but then just start turning his body into them, turned up field so he could get his head around. And before you knew it, they were almost like supporting his body weight, and he's the guy between the receiver and the quarterback. It was great, like, bubble coverage that way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, with that, with the quick enough to keep up with most wide receivers, again, he might have a problem with the speediest ones. Yeah, I really like this guy too, and so it was hard for me to be like, do I like him over Patrick Sertain Jr.? Uh, not really, but I still it, like him just as question. much. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, it's a big system question where you go, more hey, we're gonna play man, right? Yeah, much more of a man corner. Um, if you go, hey, we run a you know a zone blitz scheme. If, if I'm going, if I'm Pittsburgh picking a corner, give me Sertain. Yeah, you know, um, if I'm the Bears picking a corner, give me Sertain. Um, if I'm the New York Jets. I'll take Caleb Farley. If go. I'm, you know, if I'm the Kansas City Chiefs, I'll take Caleb Farley. So there's, it's, it really comes down to what your scheme fit is. And so that's an, another big thing of why neither one of these guys got an elite grade. I, I think we can all admit they're not elite prospects. They're good prospects. They're first rounders, but these are not guys that you're like, like, holy shit, can't wait for this guy to be on my team. He's going to fix all my problems. Like this right. guy's going to fit a role on your defense, depending on what it is. Yeah. The, it, somewhere in the top, 20 there are a couple of teams that need coverage guys this year and these will be the guys they pick up and they'll Mm -hmm. they'll be starters for them for most of their rookie campaign and we'll see if they hit a second contract i i agree but these guys looked very good in tape so it's just seeing to see where they go Mm -hmm. um i think we've got another uh (laughs) former player's child in the next one we've got another boy um we have asante samuel jr Asante Samuel Jr. So, uh, father of, let me guess, Asante Sr. Uh, played for uh, Eagles and he's Patriots. He's the son of. He's not Asante Samuel Sr.'s father. Oh, did I say that wrong? <laughs> I switched around. Uh, this, yes. Asante, this is not don't drink of. your, don't be a menace while drinking your juice in the hood. <laughs> uh, but he, a little shorter guy, 5'10", 183. So his measurables are the exact fucking same as his dad's. Oh. Exact wow. same. It's fucking crazy. And his dad was taken in the fourth round. And Asante Samuel is probably going to go somewhere in like the third round. Yeah, because, a little bit. Ahead. 
I think I think we'll get a little bit of that because he is an undersized corner, but he's great quick twitch. Um, you can tell he's been trained up very well. I, I think that gets that becomes a positive and a negative for some of these guys because you go like, okay, well, how much athleticism is it, and how much is it the fact that your daddy was a fucking corner and he taught you how to do this? <laughs> you know, how much more are we going to be able to teach you at the next level? And I feel like Asante Samuel Jr. is probably not as athletic as his father, um, but will help you right away right now because he's going to be able to be a nickel corner that comes in and immediately contributes. Yeah, nickel. I think he's be very good in the zone. He's smart. Um, He's he's got nice start and stoppy. I think he could be actually stick with the quick ones. So like you're saying, a nickel cornerback, somebody in the slot would be the best. I didn't like some of his tackling. Uh, there's this fearless tackler in him, which is great, but mm-hmm. that means he's leaving his feet all the time. So if he misses, the guy's gone. Also, a couple times he grabbed the guys around like the shoulder pads and did the body slam down. And it was like, oh, big cheer in college. And I was like, does that not just not get flagged? Because I see that in the NFL get flagged every time. And he's I saw not going to be able to do that in the NFL, though. True. Yeah, not to these wide receivers. But yeah, when he grabs them around the, the shoulder pads, they're going to break those tackles, too. So yeah. I think that might be a little bit of a, a hiccup in his thing. I think his vertical, though, saves his height. I'm not too worried about his height because I think the guy could jump. Yeah, he's he's athletically gifted. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a guy that has some limitations in terms of size, but not a lot of limitations in terms of ability to stay with smaller corners, ability to get up and high point the ball uh, in zone coverages against larger wide receivers. You know, he tracks the ball well. He's not like a ball hawk the way his dad was, but tracks the ball well. He's going to put himself in good positions. I think he'd rather be playing man-to-man, but uh, it, he doesn't seem lost in zone, which is which is nice. So this is a guy that gives you great position flexibility, which I think also helps mm-hmm. um, move his draft status up a little bit to maybe a third-rounder. Hey, third-rounder. So you think if he goes in the second, that's a reach? Um, I, I wouldn't hate it. I think if he goes in the top end of the second round, yeah, I think there's a couple more corners that are, you know, better than him athletically and have a better ceiling. So when we're talking about guys that I think can help you right away, mm. I don't, I feel like the, the floor is very high on Asante Samuel Jr. I feel like the ceiling's a little bit lower than a lot of these guys. So it's, it's hard for me to say a clean prospect with a low ceiling is a, is a bad pick in the second round versus mm-hmm. a guy that has a really high ceiling and a probably potentially very devastating floor. But that's where you take, you know, the second round is for those guys. It's for the right. guys that you're like, man, this is a gamble. Um, right. This guy could be the fucking second coming or he you know, might be out of the league in three years. Whereas we the like, third uh, round is like, I need a contributor right now. I need a starter in the third round. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anywhere. Yeah. In those areas that you can get somebody you can throw in there right away, you win. Um so we have uh, Sertain and Farley probably at the top. Uh, Asante Samuel, some in the middle round. Um, I think what we have probably J.C. Horn is a, like another top cornerback. Other guys yeah. that maybe we did talk about that are up there pretty high. So J.C. Horn is uh, is one of them out of South Carolina. I think he's another guy that's a, a good body, um, mm-hmm. probably in that same athletic range as Caleb Farley in terms of what he's capable of. Um, not as fast as Farley, but right. also has – better long-term film. This is a guy that's been consistent over his college career. Um, You also have Tyson Campbell out of Georgia, who is probably a similar body type to Patrick Sertan Sertan Jr., in that he's tall, he's slender, uh, but he's still going to be a guy that played SEC corner, can go against pretty much anybody, isn't 
isn't tapped out physically. Like I said, slender build, but could probably add a little bit more. You could probably move him to safety if you had to. Um, he's got some good hitting instincts. Okay. Uh, but those, again, those aren't the guys that we really uh, watched this week. No. Let's go on to the next one that we discussed. Uh, we are talking about Ambry Thomas out of uh, out of Michigan. Michigan. Of course you get a Michigan guy in there. Oh, what do you want from me? <laughs> no. They don't have a what lot of other prospects to talk about. So this guy I didn't uh, yeah, get a lot of tape on. Tell me about Ambry. Uh, so there isn't a lot of tape on Ambry Thomas. Every once in a while, I like to take these guys that are frequently involved in plays, and you can never really tell whether it's their fault the guy had the ball um, <laughs> or whether they're just you know responsive defensively. This was a guy that had a lot more want to than ability. Um God. He played special teams. I think he'll be an excellent gunner for some team. You know, this is a. I, so you remember last year at the wide receiver position, we we scouted Donovan Peoples Jones, right? And I was like, oh man, what a fucking athlete! I just wish he could put it together and be more consistent. Another Michigan Ambry Thomas. <laughs> yeah, Ambry Thomas is the exact opposite of that. Okay. This is a guy that's like, okay, we're probably toast in terms of like what we're physically capable of, Ambry. Um, but this is a guy that was solid in production at the college level. I don't think it translates to the next. Um, this is a guy that will is a gamer, really likes the game of football, so I feel like he's a safe choice in the later rounds, like a fifth or sixth rounder. Um, and he's a guy that could play nickel if you needed him to. He's got enough athleticism to do it, um, but I think he will get you know outrun by bigger, faster wide receivers. Do you think he'll line up at safety? I think it's potential. Um, you know, he's a guy that if you, I get the feeling from Ambry Thomas watching the game film that if you said, and he did, he lined up in like kind of these hybrid Jack roles that I think if you're like, Hey, I think we want to move you to safety. He'd be like, great, whatever gets me on the team. But I think he's a little undersized for safety. He's going to have to add size for safety, but he's got, if he adds size and he loses a little bit of a step, I think he could still play safety. I just, you'd have to retool his instincts. He's been a corner for so long. Okay. Yeah. I think, yeah, better. Maybe in zone, but physical guy. Okay. That was Ambry Thomas, and we got uh, one more corner. We have Trill Williams. Out of Syracuse. Syracuse. Yeah. yeah. This guy's a big guy, 6'2", but he's 198. Yeah, we we seem to pick guys that are like, you know, six foot tall or 5'11 and, you know, scrappy, or we have a guy that's like kind of long and elegant. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's really the, the thing I came away from Trill Williams' tape as is like he is elegant, as a corner. Um, he is long. He's a long strider. He's a guy that played a lot of slot for a tall corner, which is kind of interesting. He played a lot of nickel um, as a taller corner. But he's a guy that um, has great ball skills. He's a guy that goes after it. I don't think he's going to be the best in man coverage. I think he's going to thrive in his zone. Yeah. I think he is a guy that could not play safety at all. Um, safety, like I said, not a position for elegance. It's a position for you know, getting in there and getting fucking dirty. But uh, this is a guy that if you if you need a decent nickel corner, potentially, Trill Williams could be your guy. He's going to give you size problems with, uh, you know, mid-sized wide receivers, and he's got enough athleticism to stay in the area with smaller, quicker wideouts. They say that uh, he's that aggressive trash-talking cornerback. That's what I hear about him. Um and you did say that he's he's in the nickel a lot. Is that maybe because they had Melifanu there too? Who's probably doesn't he get drafted before he does. Uh, Williams this year? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, 
Melifonwu will go before Williams, but Williams will still go. I think he's probably in that Ambry Thomas range of like a fifth round pick because you're gonna, you don't know exactly what you're going to do with the guy. Um, you just know that he'll help you in the secondary. That um, might be why he was playing corner or nickel and stuff too, just a way to get another uh, athlete on the field. And they're like, oh, we got a plethora of cornerbacks. You get in and cover whoever. Yeah. I mean, Syracuse couldn't get anything done offensively, but their defense is pretty good, especially the, the defense are, Yeah. And they say this guy was pretty clutch too. That's what I hear from people too. Then Troy Williams is kind of in the right spot, right time all the time. All right. Well, there you go, then. That's the cornerbacks as well. So that's our wide receivers and cornerbacks this week. Uh, we've got some talented guys, and we've got some first-rounders. we got a couple of elites right there off mm-hmm. the bat. And that's very exciting here as we start looking at uh, the mock draft season as it as it pretty much is now. It's two elites off the bat. I was, I was a little surprised to give out two um, in one position group. I don't think I've done that before. And I know you don't usually uh, give these out willy-nilly. We have brought that very clear that uh, mostly recently it's been like three, four guys at most. So we'll see if there's any more elites. Uh, Again, next week we are discussing the tight ends and the safeties. So that takes care of the rest of the secondary and other pass catchers until we get to those backs. Um, But, yeah, as as we keep uh, whittling through these – 2021 draft picks and that, that field gets cleaner we're going outside in all the way i think the last position group we're going to talk about is interior defensive and offensive linemen yeah. keeping it sexy <laughs> there we go uh plenty to look forward to through the long and arduous off season also we are very close to the start of free agency so we'll be discussing where all those players go uh the ones who did not get there big new contracts congrats Dak. <laughs> i think that's a good uh recap of today's show um thank you guys so much for listening we'd like to do this show for you every week and uh we'll keep it up here at the pushoff.com but check out all the other great shows at theuniversehead.com. If you got time, check out podcasts. Uh, biggest show on TV right now is WandaVision, and I think they discussed that over on uh, uh, Comic Book Queers. So check that out, too. I mean, Give it a look. we got a lot of great stuff happening. Uh, all right, Dan, it's time for some crazy stats. Let's Ooh. wrap it up. Uh, since 2009, every NFC team or NF- every NFC South team has made a Super Bowl, and every AFC South team has had the first overall pick. <laughs> How's that? They're doing good. That's how, that's how that goes. It's, there's a mirrored uh, um, situation there. And then finally, uh, here's a question one for you. There's only one wide receiver that has had 1,200-plus yards the last two seasons. What wide receiver has had over 1,200 yards both seasons is it Devontae adams it's not mm. i'll give you a clue they are in the nfc mm. i'll give you another clue they're in the nfc south my good is it michael thomas no you know what it's dj moore really dj moore the only receiver yep shocking yeah, that's why it's, it's crazy stats. I'm telling that you. Is, hey, you know what? Sometimes you're not a, you're not a dirty liar, Scott. <laughs> well, that's our show for this week. Thank you guys so much. Uh, Dan, parting words of wisdom. As we head further down the rabbit hole of uh, NFL prospects, once again, a uh, quick reminder, if you want us to talk about anybody in particular, if you really want us to get in and dig into the game film, 
let us know. Shoot us a text. Shoot us a message online. Uh, we will get that guy in the film room. You know, not physically, obviously, with COVID restrictions and the fact that no one actually wants to talk to us. Um, <laughs> but we will get in the film room and break that guy down for you. It's, what, it's a service we provide here at the Push Off Podcast. That's right, yeah. Uh, you go to school with one of these guys? Tell, tell us who it is. We'll watch them. We'll see how they play for football. Uh, thanks, guys, so much for joining us another episode. I am Scott. And this is Dan. Enjoy your week. We will see you for the next one. Goodbye. Goodbye.